everybody welcome to track track i'm your host justin chang and with me is randy nelson hey everyone randy yeah we've been doing this for over a year now that is pretty awesome it's been a long road yeah getting from there to here Mm-hmm. been a long time yeah yeah we've been doing this for over a year now that's pretty hey. crazy uh the first episode of this show in which we watched uh the voyager pilot uh we put up on uh august 19th 2014 wow that's crazy well if uh you're listening out there and you've been listening to us uh since episode one uh thank you yeah and, absolutely and if you are just listening for the first time somehow <laughs> Now, we're not quite sure how you found this, but, uh, yeah, thanks for that, too. <laughs> and we hope to be around for another year. Um, yeah, and then, sorry to disappoint you if you've been sticking around because you were hoping we'd get back to Voyager. Uh, someday we may, <laughs> but uh, we got sidetracked with Enterprise. Yeah, we were just like, oh, let's go down this Enterprise-shaped rabbit hole. And uh, that's where we ended up. And I think, uh, feeling like we're going to ride this one out through the end of the series yeah i mean we're almost done with season two at this point and seasons three and four is when it gets really good supposedly yeah so i mean we've gotten this far we gotta gotta see this through to the faith of the heart i thought it was going to be the end of the road or i don't know i can't remember how this theme song goes (laughs) but you listen to it every week right yeah well i listen to it every morning when i get in the shower so (laughs) uh anyways enough about that (laughs) we should talk about uh trek trek uh star trek brother yeah let's talk about star trek enterprise season two episode 21 the breach original air date april 23rd 2003 uh, the episode opens in sick bay, wherein Dr. Flox is feeding his pets. Hoshi enters, and Flox shows her a triple, which serves a, as a meal for uh, one of Flox's reptiles. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. You get that, oh, look, a nod to the original series, but, oh, the triple is just a snack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> Uh, Hoshi is there to give Flux a message from the Denobulan Science Academy. Uh, something in the message clearly disturbs Flux. Uh, it's the opening credits. In the situation room, Flux shows Mayweather, Trip, Archer, and Reed a map of a cave system on a planet called Xantorus. Uh, so some uh, Denobulans were there, but they stopped communicating with the Denobulan Science Academy three weeks ago. A militant faction has taken control of the planet, and they demand that all off-worlders leave. And Enterprise has been tasked with getting the Denobulan scientists off the planet. Uh, Mayweather, the experienced spelunker, will uh-huh. go with Trip and Reed. Oh, we're finally going to get to see uh, Travis really climbing something <laughs> yeah uh later in the launch bay mayweather trip and reed are checking their equipment when archer walks in uh, he tells them that they have three days to get the denobulans out the shuttle pod flies down to the surface as several ships are leaving the planet 
on the bridge of the Enterprise, T'Pol and Hoshi tell Archer that one of the ships that is leaving the planet is having problems and wants permission from the Xantorans to return to the surface. Archer volunteers to rescue them. Uh, later in sick bay, Phlox is checking on the people from the damaged ship. A man who is working near the reactors is brought in, and Phlox stops in his tracks. Dun, dun, dun! On Xantaris, uh... Trip, Reed, and Mayweather enter the caves. In sick bay, Archer checks in with Phlox on the status of the aliens. The man who Phlox was shocked to see wakes up. Uh, he wants Phlox kept away from him, saying he'd rather die than be treated by Phlox. Uh, later, right outside sick bay, Phlox explains to Archer that the Denobulans have gone to war with the Antarans on several occasions, though it's been 300 years since their last conflicts. Uh, Archer wants Phlox to treat him, even if he has to knock the patient out to do so. But Phlox argues that the will of the patient is key to Denobulan medicine and that Hippocrates wasn't Denobulan. Mm-hmm. Archer won't let the man die if it can be prevented because this is an Earth ship and Archer orders Phlox to treat him. Phlox refuses. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I mean, the, the whole point that, you know, he's not a human doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't. Exactly subscribe to the uh, Hippocratic Oath. Yeah, he has a slightly different code of ethics. Mm-hmm. While Mayweather, Trip, and Reed are descending further into the cave, uh, Reed notices a Denobulan box filled with rock samples, which proves that they're on the right track. Back in sick bay, Archer checks on the Antaran, explaining to him that he needs treatment because of all the radiation that he was exposed to. The Antaran refuses to be treated by Phlox, even if he is going to die in two days without it. Uh, the Antaran tells Archer that the Denobulans' battle tactics resulted in 20 million Antaran deaths. Archer still tries to convince the Antaran that Phlox is a good doctor and a good man. Later, in Phlox's quarters, Archer and Phlox talk about how Phlox is the first Denobulan that the Antaran has met, and vice versa. Uh, from childhood, both sides are taught that the other side is evil. Archer finds it odd that there was no reconciliation in 300 years, and he wants Phlox to find a way to help the Antaran because he is a doctor and the Antaran is his patient. In the caves, Trip, Reed, and Mayweather are still trying to figure out where the Denobulans went. As they're going further into the cave, Reed slips, taking Trip and Mayweather with him. To stop them all from plummeting to their deaths, Mayweather puts his foot into a crevice on the wall, which breaks his leg. Trip and Reed have to leave Mayweather behind as they look for the Denobulans. Yeah, so once again, let me point out that Travis has been injured climbing. Yeah. So remember on um, Ryza? Yep. Yeah, he was climbing the, the shifting mountain thing and got injured. <laughs> Maybe not such a great climber after all, folks. Well, this one wasn't his fault. He actually mm. saved everyone's lives. True, true, true. So he just gets injured when he goes climbing. Yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, he, maybe he was saving someone else's life when he was on Ryza. <laughs> yeah, we just didn't hear any more about it. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, oh, hey, Travis, you're going rock climbing. Okay, we'll never see you again until later when you get sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, in sick bay, Phlox checks on the Antaran. Phlox tries to be as pleasant as he can, but the Antaran is having none of it, and Phlox gets pissed <laughs> and leaves. <laughs> Pretty succinct synopsis of that scene. <laughs> 
Later in the mess hall, T'Pol is getting some tea when she sees Flox sitting alone. Flox tells her about a trip he wanted to take on an arboreal planet when he was younger, but his grandmother wouldn't let him go because the planet was tainted by the Antarans, who had lived there once uh, years ago. He ended up not going, but he took his children to the planet later because he was determined not to raise them as he was raised. Hmm. In the caves, uh, Trip and Reed finally find the uh, three Denobulan scientists. The Denobulans refuse to leave until Trip threatens to tie them up and drag them out by their ankles. <laughs> okay. Uh, in Sick Bay, Flox is going to perform the procedure on the Antaran, whether he likes it or not. Flox explains uh, to the Antaran about how he raises children, telling them the truth uh, to the best of his knowledge. All but one of Flox's children, uh, Metis, his youngest son, have become more open-minded about the Antarans. Metis believes that Antarans are evil, and that caused the rift between Flox and Metis, and they haven't spoken in nearly ten years. Interesting. As Trip, Reed, and the Denobulans are proceeding through the caves, one of the Denobulans stops to pick up some rock samples. Trip gets pissed off and threatens to shoot the Denobulan in the butt. <laughs> Just then, the cave starts shaking and the rocks start falling near uh, Mayweather. Reed recognizes that weapons fire is causing the cave disturbances. On the bridge of the Enterprise, Archer yells at a Santoran official to stop firing at the caves in which the away team and the Denobulans are located. The Santoran claims that they're not firing at the cave, but at soldiers of the previous regime. Mm-hmm. Archer has the Enterprise lock onto the patrol uh, that's firing at the caves, telling the Xantoran that he can't afford to fight on two fronts. In the cave, Trip and Reed are uh, slowly climbing as the Denobulans crawl up the wall with ease. They notice that the bombing has stopped. In sickbay, the Antaran is moved by Flox's story about his son, which made him think of his own family, and he has decided to accept Flox's treatment. On the bridge of the Enterprise, Hoshi can't contact Trip. Archer decides to go down to the planet himself with a security team. T'Pol warns him that the Xantorans will detect a shuttle launch. As Archer is about to get into the turbo lift, Trip contacts Enterprise, uh, two hours past the deadline. A Xantoran patrol ship attacks the shuttle pod. Reed sees that they're using low-power particle beams that are causing minimal damage, so the Xantorans are just telling them to hurry up and leave. In sick bay, Archer enters to check on the Antaran's uh, condition. Phlox tells Archer that the procedure was successful. Later, Archer escorts the Antaran to a ship, Archer hopes that it won't be a problem that the three Denobulan scientists will be heading home on the Antarn ship. Uh, Archer already talks to the Denobulans, and they're willing to travel on the same ship as an Antarn if he is. The ship breaks off from the Enterprise, and the two ships warp off in different directions. And in a darkened sick bay, Phlox records a letter to his son, Metis, about the experiences he's had recently in treating the Antaran as the episode ends. Hmm. I think, um, you know, I, I really like the the parts of this that dealt with uh, Phlox and the Antarans and the Denobulans and their, re their rift there, almost their breach. <laughs> uh, uh, that was the name of the episode. 
if I'm correct. Um, yeah, so uh, this takes us back to our last episode where we talked about, you know, the episode Horizon that, you know, kind of a little bit explored the backstory of Travis Mayweather, but didn't really. Yeah. Um, I feel like Fox is a character that we've actually gotten maybe not a lot of development, but we've definitely found out a lot about him as a yes. character. Yes. Um, we know about his time as a combat medic, um, for the, for Den- the Denobulan, you know, military, um, that has clearly resulted in him being kind of a undercover badass, as we saw in the episode, uh, the catwalk, uh, where he had to not catwalk. It was, um, uh, the episode with the wisps that take over people's bodies where he had to, uh, take on a possessed crew member. Um, we know about, uh, his people and their, you know, unusual to human, their unusual relationships and mating, um, from meeting one of his wives, um, and how he didn't really care that, uh, she was heading on trip. Um, and now, you know, we found this out, you know, we found out this part of his past too. And uh, it was kind of a mature story, you know, of of what, uh, you know, what was going on there and, and how he dealt with it and the fact that he hadn't talked to one of his sons in 10 years. I mean, it was, I thought that was really interesting. Um, I don't know if, like, kind of the, the framing story was really that exciting. I mean, I wasn't really that, you know, concerned about the team that, <laughs> that went down to rescue the Denobulans, but at least they brought it back around at the end to where the Denobulans were okay traveling with the Antarans. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it showed some progress there. Um, so that was really interesting. And it, I was kind of expecting that, you know, Phlox would be, you know, like we'd find out, wow, Phlox is kind of uh, also really holding on to this hatred, but it turned out he wanted to raise his children without it. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, I like Phlox. I like Phlox episodes, even though he, they get a little weird sometimes, like the one with his wife. Yeah, yeah, it was um it was cool to see more Denobulans learn more about the Denobulan backstory. Um mm-hmm. yeah, just more of their history. It was an overall a good episode. I thought so. I thought that the that, that just the stuff dealing with that, you know, the rift between the two cultures, um, and how the Antaran just basically, you know, was would rather die than be treated by a Denobulan. I mean, that was very reminiscent for me of, um, uh, it was like a Star Trek The Next Generation episode mm-hmm. you know, where they dealt with, like, you know, serious things. And I almost felt like, you know, whereas the episode with, um, the episode with DePaul dealing with, like, the forced mind melding seemed to be them trying to tackle a serious subject. Um, this wasn't, this, I think, did a better job of tackling a serious, you know, subject, which was, you know, kind of like cultural, you know, hatred between different cultures, um, and misunderstandings, um, and unhealed, you know, rifts and no reconciliation, that kind of thing. Right. They did a better job of tackling the subject than the other one did of ta- tackling another subject, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was, it was good. Um, and I think the other thing is, I think that, um, uh, I think that, uh, the actor, um, who plays Fox, who you always remember his name. I always forget Mr. Billingsley, right? Yeah. John Billingsley. Yeah. So I, I think that John Billingsley is a really good actor too. And I think that helps. Yeah. He's, uh, he, he's got a lot of range. Mm hmm. Man, it really Fox, I think as a result is a very, um, 
you know, kind of, you can identify with him, even though he's an alien, you, you can see what he's going through mm-hmm. um, in, in many situations. So yeah, cool. It was a good episode. Yeah. Like you said, the stuff on the planet was kind mm-hmm. of neither here nor there, but yeah, um, like, like it didn't, I don't know if it even really needed to be there. I mean, I understand that they needed some sort of little wrap wrap around to kind of have there be a reason for this alien, this Antaran to even come onto Enterprise, but probably could have been at some different setup. It could have been, um, you know, or maybe it didn't even need, you know, a setup. They could have just stumbled upon it, a, a ship in need that was sending out a distress call and brought him on board. Found out it was that and had this this year. But I guess you've got to have an A story and a B story, right? Yeah. So. Uh, this episode was directed by Robert Duncan McNeil. Robert Duncan McNeil. Tom Paris. sounds really dumb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, way to go, Tom Paris. Wasn't there a recent one that was uh, directed by LeVar Burton? Uh, I believe you're thinking of the next one. Oh, Yes. So I'm getting ahead of myself. Yes, And it's not are. because I'm involved in the temporal Cold War, folks. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this. You're thinking of Cogenitor, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about after we take a little break. Let's do it. UPN next Wednesday, an alien race gives a whole new meaning to close encounters of the third kind. Maybe we could sleep together. They need three to mate. I'm pretty familiar with how it works with two sexes, but... Oh, well, I have pictures. A provocative all-new Enterprise. Co-genitor. UPN next Wednesday at 8, 7 central. And we're back. Uh, let's talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 2, Episode 22, Co-genitor. Original air date April 30th, 2003. Uh, take it away. Well, as uh, Justin mentioned before the break, this episode was directed by one LeVar Burton. A.K.A. Jordy LaForge, uh, he of the High Tech Visor and Star Trek: The Next Generation fame. Now we start this episode out where Enterprise is flying near a hypergiant star. Uh, this is the first one that humans have ever observed up close. Lots of firsts for the Enterprise crew on their mission of exploration. Uh, they detect an alien ship nearby. And it's actually much closer to the star than they are. Uh, much closer than the Enterprise is able to get, at least. Uh, they hail the ship and s- begin speaking with uh, their captain, whose name we learn is Drenik. Uh, it turns out that these aliens are from the Vizia system. I do want to say, mm-hmm. I know it's for dramatic purposes that the Universal Translator doesn't work sometimes, but it seemed to work really fast this time. Yeah, I <laughs> think it's a little inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've never met these people before, and it works right away. So, yeah, come on, consistency, folks. (laughs) Uh, So, via the Universal Translator, uh, Captain Drenick asks uh, the Enterprise crew if they've performed some specific measurements of the star, the hypergiant in question, and Archer tells Drenick that humans and the Enterprise don't have that kind of technology yet. Uh, So, uh, as a result of this conversation, is decided that the Visians are going to visit. I guess it doesn't really rhyme with Visians, but they're going to visit Enterprise. Uh, Trip makes a remark uh, that this might be their first first contact that doesn't involve having to arm weapons. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have the opening credits. When we come back, we're in the captain's mess. 
and Archer is talking with Drenik. Uh, Drenik invites Archer to come with him uh, on a two-person mission to investigate the star closer up. And, of course, Archer accepts. Uh, Drenik is played mm-hmm. by Andreas Ketzlis, who uh, played Jakar in Babylon 5. Oh, wow! Okay, so that would explain why he looked familiar. Uh, yeah, he's been in Star Trek before as well, but yeah. he's, to me, he's most recognizable as Jakar. Mm-hmm. So, should I call him Jakar from now on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the main Enterprise mess hall, uh, Trip and Reed are eating with two Vizian women. So here we have them back like they were on Ryza, hitting on the ladies together. They're, they're wingmen, you know? Uh, they're talking to the two uh, Vizian women and uh, teaching them how to eat ice cream sundaes. As you do with an alien race. Uh, Trip leaves to speak with the aliens, uh, Vizian, rather, uh, chief engineer. Uh, he meets uh, the engineer and his wife and their co-genitor. There you go. Uh, they tell Trip that their warp core on board their ship emits radiation that is dangerous to humans. Uh, so the next thing we see is Trip going to Phlox for an inoculation against the radiation uh, so that he can travel over to their ship and check out their fancy warp core. He asks Phlox about cogenitors, um, and we learn that they are a uh, third sex that is vital to uh, the reproductive process of the Visians. Um, during the discussion, uh, you know, Trip being a human, not used to this sort of thing, but actually should be used to some kind of freaky things at this point. Because I mean, of, he got pregnant himself. He got pregnant himself, and he's had an encounter with Denobulan, um frisky ladies. <laughs> Uh, A.K.A. Flox's wife, one of his wives. Uh, he shouldn't be so uh, kind of thrown off by this. Uh, Flox tells him he should keep an open mind. On board the alien... Oh, uh, uh, real quick. Yeah. Flox is really eager to show Trip some pictures of how a third gender works. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Trip's just like, ugh. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, Flox doesn't have the hang-ups, I think, that a lot of humans have mm-hmm. around this kind of thing. So, yeah. Nice catch. Uh, on board the alien uh, strata probe, I think that's what they call it. I've got it in my notes here. <laughs> Archer and the captain are talking as they approach the, the star surface. Um, it turns out that Enterprise has given uh, the Visians the works of, complete works of Shakespeare, uh, and their captain, uh, Drenik, has already read it. Uh, not already, had not previously already read it, but he's already read through all of it. <laughs> and there's a discussion about uh, Hamlet, I believe. Uh, on the alien ship, uh, their, the Visian engineer is explaining to Trip how their warp reactor works. Uh, Trip, though, seems more interested in the concept of the cogenitors. Uh, he finds out that they basically have no life. Uh, they actually don't even have names. Uh, their only real purpose is to act, is, like I said, to assist in the, uh, in the, the birth of children, uh, to the Visians. Back on Enterprise, uh, in Archer's ready room, um, Archer, uh, puts to Paul in charge of Enterprise for three days so he can go on, uh, his, 
mission down to the star. Uh, it turns out that the aliens, the Visians rather, want to watch movies. Uh, and <laughs> Archer puts Paul in charge of mo- selecting the movies. So, you know, she's super excited about that. Uh, in Enterprise Engineering, um, Trip is very, very interested in the idea of the congenitors and third genders, uh, because he asked T'Pol about it. Um, T'Pol tells Trip that Archer really hopes that they have an uneventful first contact with the Visians, and so perhaps he should keep his opinions on the cogenitors and their treatment and their status to himself. So, she's very much a don't-rock-the-boat kind of person sometimes. I mean, she has mentioned before that Trip uh, tries to impose mm-hmm. like human point of view on everything. Mm-hmm. And Maybe he should just keep it to himself. In sickbay on board Enterprise, uh, Trip is speaking with Fox, who agrees with T'Pol in this case. Uh, Trip asks if there's any way that Fox can find out or tell in some way if a cogenitor is basically as intelligent as the other Visians. Uh, back in Enterprise's mess hall, uh, Reed is dining with a Visian woman who we find out is named Velo. Uh, and they're eating uh, different kinds of cheeses. Um, turns out that the um, Visians have uh, like a, a palate that really prefers kind of really pungent food and really, really flavorful food. Uh, so there's kind of this back and forth over whether or not, you know, the different types of cheeses that the earth cheeses that Reed has selected uh, are actually kind of have any flavor to her or not. Um, Velo asks Reed if she can visit the Enterprise Armory later, uh, and that she says she's anxious to see his tactical array. Uh, Reed says there, there's an old Earth expression that goes, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Oh, Reed, the ladies' man. I know. He <laughs> has all the best pickup lines, right? <laughs> so I think we can kind of tell where this is going. So now in the survey pod um, with Archer and Trenick, uh he and the, the Visian captain are bonding. And Archer tells Drenick that the aliens should visit Earth. Uh, on board the Visian ship, uh, we see the engineer uh, who Trip has been speaking with inviting Trip to dinner. Uh, we then follow that up in the engineer's quarters. Uh, Trip is there with the engineer and his wife, who we met earlier. Uh, Trip asks if the cogenitor will be joining them for the meal. After this scene, uh, we're back in sickbay on board uh, Enterprise, uh, where Phlox reveals to Trip that the cogenitor uh, is just as smart as the other Visians. Uh, we cut back to the Stratopod. That's the right name. <laughs> Where uh, Archer uh, wants to take control of the uh, Stratopod, and so he's allowed to do so by the Visian captain. Um, we know that Archer loves to pilot spacecraft, and so here's his chance to fly really close to the surface of a star, which I guess would be pretty thrilling if you think about it. Um, back on the alien ship, uh, Trip, uh, seemingly obsessed at this point with the cogenitor, uh, stops by the engineer's quarters to see the cogenitor. Uh, he brings a pad with him 
and we find out that's because he wants uh, to teach the cogenitor to read. Um, we find out that, you know, in addition to not having a name and not really having any kind of life, I mean, the cogenitors basically can't even read. They're basically not treated, as, I would say not treated as human, but treated as not Visian, basically. They just have one purpose, and that's all they're good for. Uh, he tells the cogenitor that he has learned that the cogenitor is just as smart as the other Visians. Uh, back on board Enterprise in the armory, uh, Reed is showing Velo around, and it gets sexy. Um, she's yet another very forward female alien, uh, but we find out that this is their custom. Back on the alien ship, uh, Trip is listening to the cogenitor Reed. Uh, the cogenitor actually picked up reading extremely quickly, and Trip is obviously amazed by this. Uh, before Trip leaves, uh, the cogenitor asks him uh, if it can adopt the name Trip. Uh, basically, you know, his name. Uh, he tells the cogenitor that his name is actually Charles, and the cogenitor decides it wants to be known as Charles. Uh, back on Enterprise, um, Trip is showing the cogenitor around. Um, so clearly, uh, Trip has brought the cogenitor from the Vizian ship to Enterprise at this point. Um, they travel to engineering. Uh, they go to Trip's quarters. Um, they are watching a movie, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Uh, they, and they play a game of Go. And the cogenitor, now I guess known as Charles, beats Trip at the game. Uh, but Trip decides that they'd better get back to the Vizian ship. Uh, in the Enterprise Situation Room, T'Pol tells Trip that he is no longer welcome on the Vizian ship. So clearly they've found out about his absconding with the cogenitor. Um, Trip and T'Pol argue about his behavior. Um, she says that everything Trip is doing is going against the captain's every wish. Um, and he argues back that he feels the cogenitor is an independent being, an intelligent being, and should have its own life. In Archer's ready room, uh, Trip gets a dressing down from Captain Archer, who has returned from his mission to the star surface, or near the star surface. Trip tells Archer that he thought he was doing the right thing. Archer tells Trip that giving them, uh, giving books and movies to the Visians is different from suggesting that they defy their culture. Uh, we are at, in Trip's quarters next, where the cogenitor is also there, and the cogenitor is asking Archer for help. In the captain's mess, uh, the alien captain Drenick and the engineer are meeting with Archer. We learn that the cogenitor has decided to seek asylum on board Enterprise from the Visians. Uh, Archer and the alien captain discuss the adventure that they had together and hope that despite the argument over asylum, their people can have healthy relations. At this point, uh, the Visian ship departs. Uh, next, we're in Archer's quarters where he receives a call from Hoshi. Uh, that the Vizian captain is hailing Enterprise and is very upset. We're next in Archer's ready room, and Trip enters. Archer reveals at this point that the, he has received a message from the Vizian ship that the cogenitor has committed suicide. 
Uh, Trip blames himself, and Archer actually agrees that it's Trip's fault. Um, Trip uh, apologizes. Um, Archer isn't sure uh, if he's if he's sorry. Um, he's not sure that that he knows exactly what he's done. Uh, he tells him that he didn't have any business interfering with the Visians, but that he couldn't just leave it alone. Um, he tells him that he thought he was doing the right thing. Um, he tells Trip that he could agree if, you know, they were in Florida or Singapore, somewhere on Earth, but it's not. That they're in deep space, and now a person is dead. Uh, and this is a person, he says, who would have been alive if they hadn't made first contact with the Visians. Um, Archer says that he guess he hasn't been very successful at getting through to Trip. Uh, and if he had, Trip would have thought a lot harder before doing what he did. Uh, Archer dismisses Trip and turns his back on him. Uh, Trip tries to talk to Archer, but Archer gives him no response, and the episode ends. Yeah, so Archer is a huge hypocrite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he's so enamored with this alien culture, with the captain in particular, mm-hmm. that he's just going to ignore the rights issue here mm-hmm. and just blame it all on Trip. Yeah. Because Archer is always saying how alien cultures should behave. I mean, he even told flocks how flocks should behave in the, the uh, episode. Yeah. Uh, the, the previous. Breach. Yeah. The previous episode. He was like, uh, you should, he, he's basically, he goes around saying every alien culture should be more human. Mm-hmm. And basically that, you know, he thinks humans have got it all figured out. So if anything, this was a like a cut and dry case for Archer where he should have been thinking, I mean, this is the episode, I would say, that Archer, it seems to me that Archer ideally, I mean, not ideally, but like Archer should have been the character that that was in the situation. Yes. Like it, it's it's totally in character for him. He should have been arguing with the captain. You know, if anything, maybe it would have been Archer in Trip's position and Trip uh, Trip in Archer's position or something. Well, it would probably be to Paul in Archer's position. You mean like on the scientific mission with the captain? Yeah. Just kind of like, ah, oh, you know what? We're gonna go explore and be scientific and stuff. Logic, 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 logic. And but meanwhile, Archer who seeks to impose the human way of doing things on every on every culture they meet would just be beside himself that they were basically had this like i don't know like indentured servant class or something i mean that it's, had no rights yeah and i no, mean yeah yeah the, the congenitors are clearly just as smart as the other visions mm-hmm. and they deserve all the rights accordingly mm-hmm. but Arthur's just like, don't mess with their culture. Yeah, it was really weirdly reverse of of what you think it should be based on everything we've seen on the show so far. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought it was, I mean, it was pretty messed up. Yes. (laughs) I mean, it was a messed up situation. The way it ended was very tonally different than like pretty much any other episode of the series so far. I mean, where you basically had Arthur saying like, I'm so disappointed in you, Trip," and turning his back on him and dismissing him. But as you pointed out, like that was also seriously against Archer's character to not be super concerned about this, these aliens that are, you know, for no apparent reason, even relegated to like 
not even being, I would say not human, but they're not even, they're not even Vizian, you know? Yeah. Like, like what, there's not even a clear reason why they're not. They seem to be exactly the same as the others, yet they're not given any, any individual identity or anything. It's just super weird. Yeah. Um, I could kind of see, I mean, I could kind of see where they were going with it. And, um, you know, I mean, I just feel like there was like a lot of missteps. And like you pointed out, it was like the character that really based on their character that should have been super concerned should have been Archer. I'm not saying that Trip wouldn't be, I mean, Trip would probably be concerned too. Yeah. You know what absolutely. I mean? Like all the humans who've, have some sense of what life was like on earth in the distant past and how they've come so far should have looked at this and said like, Oh wow. You know, we've met these really friendly new aliens. It's the first, first contact we've had where it hasn't resulted in some kind of battle (laughs) pretty much, Uh, but Oh wow. Their culture is super messed up compared to ours. And Archer's always the one leading that charge and Mm -hmm. it wasn't him. And in fact, you said he was a total hypocrite this time. Yeah. So I don't know. And that just really bothered me. Yeah. Um, So it's kind of a broken, it was kind of a broken story. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to to really put it. Um, I almost would think, I mean, I'm not going to get like super up in arms about it, but you know what? I'm saying you've got LeVar Burton, who's been in plenty of pretty heavy stories on Star Trek. You've got, you know, of the other actors on the show who should at this point kind of know where they're, characters motivations come from you would have almost thought like oh yeah maybe um you know maybe scott bacula would have said something like hey isn't my character the guy that gets super riled up when stuff like this happens yeah and this one was written by rick berman and brandon braga yeah the show creators yeah i'm really not sure what happened there but uh well i mean it kind of seemed like it had it was moving in the right direction, but then it just didn't. Yeah, it just falls apart at the end. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in terms of themes and stuff, it's a classic Star Trek episode where they're dealing mm-hmm. with larger social themes mm-hmm. and they're applying it to science fiction. Um, but yeah, the ending just did not work for me at all. No, it didn't make sense. Yep. All right, so we'll have to see if there are any ramifications from this, though. Um, because, you know, as it ends, I mean, Archer and Trip aren't exactly in the best place. Yeah, and, like, Trip is already feeling so guilty, and then Archer's like, yeah, it is your fault. Yeah. Like, Trip is, like, super, super bummed that this has happened, as you would be. Yeah. Um. But, uh, yeah, but but now he just makes him, makes him feel worse. There you go. Yeah. Way to go, way to go, Archer. Anyway, uh, next time we're going to talk about uh, regeneration and first flight. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you later. Yeah, talk to you soon.
UPN next Wednesday. A startling discovery on Earth leads to Enterprise's first battle with the ultimate enemy, the Borg. You will be assimilated. We've been boarded. Resistance is futile. I've been infected. They set us up. An all-new Enterprise. Regeneration. UPN next Wednesday at 8, 7 central.